and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today I will be your host. Uh, today we are actually talking about the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals as both games are now into Game 3 here. And so before we start, I actually want to quickly go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to go ahead and thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show and thank the fans out there who have actually chimed in on a week-to-week basis to go ahead and uh, give us some content here to talk about and also to give the show a listen here. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into pretty much uh, some of the hottest topics here in sports and that is the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, We'll start there. So quickly with the Eastern Conference Finals, we're now three games into this one. Uh, Miami actually took the 2-1 lead here winning game three in Boston here 109 to 103 and in this contest I mean essentially the Celtics were up here it looked like all the momentum was going to the Celtics here after essentially uh, a beat down here in game two where the Celtics won 127 to 102 uh, the Heat made a or excuse me the Celtics made a valiant effort here to come back into this game uh, after the Heat were up by as as much as I believe 20 points here um, and I believe the Celtics kind of cut it down to one but ultimately speaking uh, the Miami Heat were able to hit some tough shots down the stretch and then they were able to fall or force excuse me uh, Boston into some uh, some tough situations here where they had some timely turnovers uh, and missed shots and things like that and essentially uh, Miami was able to, to go ahead and, and run away with this thing so uh, the key takeaway here in this particular contest uh, for the Miami Heat is the fact that Bamo, Bam, Bam Ayabayu excuse me I cannot pronounce anything right now but <laughs> Bam Ayabayu here is able to actually go ahead and secure 31 points in this contest he shot 15 of uh, 22 in this game and so what's huge about this is coming into this game he actually was only averaging three points here and essentially I think that Boston had the interior um they had the interior basically uh, advantage I think in this game or not this game but thus far in the series and I think coming into this Boston felt like they had a pretty good matchup there with what they had with Al Horford and Robert Williams you know and this was something where I thought that Miami to me I thought they had the advantage because of Bam and they were able to take away Bam so you know this was kind of Bam's coming out party here and Miami essentially needed it because Jimmy Butler left at halftime because he had some swelling in the knee and so it wasn't a problem because Bam went out had the 31 he had 10 rebounds here he had six assists four steals and he had a block as well um, you look at that you look at the fact that PJ Tucker stepped up after he left uh, game two uh, with an injury came back he had 17 big points there seven rebounds and this is critical because PJ Tucker is not really known as a scorer and so for him to come out and step up like that and score like he did there in game three you had Cal Lowry coming off the hamstring injury I believe for the first time in this series plus 10 in the box score he scored 11 had six assists four steals uh, only two turnovers there but really did a great job as, as far as keeping uh, Miami kind of poised really getting them into their sets that they needed to get into uh, you know you had uh, Max Struess play a little bit better here than he did in game uh, two 
with the 16 points for him. Uh, not a really big showing for Tyler Hero. He only had eight points on 415 shooting, but it was enough really to take care of Boston here. So you look at what Boston was able to do in game three. Um, you know, first and foremost, let's start off with Jason Tatum, okay? So he only had the 10 points. He was negative seven in the box score here. Uh, probably, I think, one of his worst games probably in the playoffs here. But, you know, three of 14 from the field just could not buy a basket there. And, uh, yes, he did get to the line four times, but uh, that's really not nearly enough, you know, for Jason Tatum because if he's not scoring from the field, needs to get to the to the free throw line wasn't able to do so Al Horford a big 20 points here so continues his scoring outburst here uh, Marcus Smart played big he left the game with pretty much a horrific ankle injury I'm not sure how he even came back here uh, after he put pretty much all his weight came down on his ankle uh, but came back there and almost really helped Boston kind of secure the win here but Jalen Brown 40 points here he was huge 9 of 12 from the three free throw line and then he also was 14 of 20 from the field here um, they did get Greg Williams going or Grant Williams going excuse me he had 10 points off the bench here um, and essentially that was that was really it for the Boston Celtics here so coming into this one you knew that you know with with Boston here um it's one of those things where they actually, I think, led the league as far as um, interior defense. And I think Miami probably, if you look at it statistically, are probably one of the best perimeter uh, teams defensively left here in the playoffs. And so I knew that one of those had to give here. Um, I'm betting on Miami's defense from a perimeter standpoint. You know, even if their interior defense is not as good, I think it's tough when you can't even get into the paint. And I think that that's kind of what Miami has been able to do thus far in the two games that they've won. Um, and if you listen to Jimmy Butler's comment, um, I believe in game five against Philadelphia in the last series, I think he was saying that, hey, if they were to go in and actually just defend, they would be able to close the series. And whenever Miami makes up its mind that that is what they're going to do, they usually turn out in a good situation here. And I think that you saw that in full display here in Boston here. And so this is a critical game because, look, Boston went into Miami. They stole home court. And then Miami essentially wrestled it back away here. And now they're in a situation where I kind of agree with what was said here tonight, um, you know, kind of on TNT, in the sense that now I think a lot of the pressure is on Boston here. They cannot afford to go down three games to one. And more importantly, if Jimmy Butler is out of the lineup here, I'm less worried about Miami uh, missing Jimmy Butler here because I, I, I uh, talked about the fact that Miami had started 23 different lineups going into this thing, and I think they had uh, a big-time winning record when they did so. So they are a team that is built for this. They've been tested for this, and this is why this is huge in their playoff run here because 
guys go down, rotations change, and then it's next man up, and they're able to essentially, you know, put guys in like Victor Oladipo, or Oladipo, excuse me. You know, you can put in a Duncan Robinson here. You can put in, um, you know, a Vincent. Um, you know, you have uh, Martin coming off the bench here for them. So, you know, their unit is so deep, and they haven't even played uh, one of the Morris twins here. Um, so, you know, essentially, you know, they have Marquise Morris who hasn't played any minutes. So they're a deep team. They can definitely make adjustments on the fly if somebody goes down. And I'm not so sure that that's the case for Boston here because, you know, you saw what happened in game one when Marcus Smart didn't play and Al Horford didn't play. Miami took advantage of that. Um, and they were a totally different team when Marcus Smart and Al Horford came back here. So look we saw that Jason Tatum went down here um, at the end of that game and so that could play a big uh, factor here moving forward here moving into game four um, I like this to go seven games I do think that Boston does come up with a response here um, I think that if Miami does end up resting uh, Jimmy Butler you know, I, I certainly think this is a game that Boston can get. I think that they, they do get it. I think Boston is terrific at responding after losses. You saw what they did in game one. So, you know, I don't expect for them to start laying down now. Uh, they are in uh, TD Banks Garden, which is a tough arena to play in. So I expect for Boston to come out, um, you know, pretty much like gangbusters here. Um in this next game here so I think that they're going to come in um, and they're really going to you know really put um, you know they're going to punch Miami I think they're going to punch Miami and I think they're going to make it tough here and I think it's essential that they win this game and I think uh, that will happen I still got this going to seven however I like Miami in the long term you know I just think that the championship um, experience that they have here and the fact that, you know, you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, um, if he's healthy, you know, I think that that's a huge X factor here. And I just think that this is the first time the Boston Celtics have seen um, a matchup here where, you know, Miami can throw multiple bodies and multiple schemes at Jason Tatum. And I think it's it's going to pay dividends here and it's really going to start to slow Boston down here. So I still like Miami in seven. Uh, I like Boston to respond big here in this next game. So we'll see what happens here. But so far, I think that this is a great series here. And uh, I think you'll you'll see a lot of uh, fireworks here in game four here tomorrow, 8.30 p.m. there on ABC. So next up here, let's move forward here to the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks here. So, uh, you know, if you just watched this game, this just concluded here just not uh, too long ago, maybe about an hour or so ago. But uh, the bottom line here is that you have you have the Golden State Warriors here up three games to none. Uh, they won game one, 112 to 87. So running away there, I think the really crusher and shocker here was the fact that in game two, the Warriors won 126 to 117, but the Mavericks had them down by as much as 20 points here. And, you know, Golden State essentially just cut them up here. And the big test was today. It's like, okay, you know, 
okay, this was a game that Dallas should have won here in game two. So then it was like, all right, so Dallas is certainly going to come in. They have the home court cooking here. Um, they usually respond well at home because keep in mind that they've either come out of uh, the first couple series where they've been down two games or it's been a 1-1 split and then they get to Dallas and then that's kind of where they really start to turn it on is really start to shift the series and I was thinking kind of going into this one if Golden State is able to win a game here in Dallas uh, I think it's going to be tough for, for, for Dallas to respond and I had this essentially being about a a five to six game series here and you know me I've already picked Golden State to, to kind of handle this thing and actually I have them as the best team in the NBA this year and winning the NBA finals but to me Golden State is just I think it's time now that as NBA fans we start to put some respect on Golden State's name I mean can we actually go ahead and take the credit um, or give, excuse me, not take the credit, but give the credit where credit is due because, and I'll take it back, Golden State literally could have dismantled the team after Kevin Durant left. The fact that they flipped the Kevin Durant deal and got a sign and trade here for D'Angelo Russell, they brought him in, right? Clay missed time, Steph was there, uh, Draymond was there. But ultimately, you know, Draymond ended up missing time. Clay ended up missing time. Um, well, we already talked about Clay, but Steph missed time. And it was one of those situations where it's like, okay, he broke his hand. Um, and then, you know, Draymond was injured throughout the year. And they, they, you know, they ended up, you know, basically with a tough record. But because they kept their draft picks and because they ended up flipping again, uh, they traded D'Angelo Russell for um, Andrew Wiggins and that's how you know Russell got to Minnesota and Wiggins got to Golden State which was beautiful as well um, you know Golden State kept themselves basically in a situation where they they had the veteran experience already on the roster they didn't dismantle it and really the veterans got a time to really heal and rest because you think about it, Golden State had been going to finals after finals after finals, and they had been going deep into the playoffs. And, you know, the next year, Clay, you know, tears up his Achilles. But because they had made the deal for Wiggins, they end up keeping the draft picks. They end up turning that into Moses Moody. You end that turning that or end up turning that into Jonathan Kaminga. You end up turning that into Jamie Wiseman. And then on top of that, you get your core guys back healthy. You believed in them. You rehabbed them well. Steph came back well. Draymond came back well. Clay came back well. He's actually starting to get into his rhythm now. Then on top of that, you get the deal to get Andre Iguodala back to the club, right? And then with the other guy that they have with Jordan Poole, who I might add, they got in the draft as well. This is why you don't go out and just blow up your roster and go trade guys for, so to speak, top 10 players, right? And I've always talked about the Lakers example where now they traded away all their youth, right, for aging stars. And yes, they got a ring out of it, 
And yes, it was in the bubble, which if you listen to some of the guys on TNT and some of the guys around the league, you know, I guess a championship is a championship, but it's a bit overrated now. And now look at the roster moving forward. Golden State is in a situation where not only did they keep their core together, right, and they're still young enough and they're still playing well, but they essentially have guys that if those guys go down, they had to play enough minutes when these guys went down. They're ready. They're ready. And it's starting to show here. So kudos to, you know, management. Kudos to the players there. And kudos to the winning culture that Golden State has here. So it does not shock me that Golden State is up three games to nothing here. The bottom line is Golden State has the championship experience. They basically reloaded here. And this is the beginning for Dallas, okay? I, I commend Dallas for the fact that they went out and they got Spencer DeWittle. You know, they went out there, um, you know, they got uh, Bertans over there. You know, they went out there and they cleared the space for Jalen Brunson to be Jalen Brunson. I'm glad they didn't let him go and they realized what a terrific player he was, you know, and that that's part of kind of letting Porzingis go. But the bottom line is that Dallas needs some more. And coming into this series, they outshot the Phoenix Suns. Okay, fine. You outshot, you outshot Utah. Fine. Utah and Phoenix is not really known for shooting the three ball. However, Golden State has the best shooters in NBA history, which you can argue that. So it was the bottom line is, okay, if you're going to play four out like Dallas does, are you going to outshoot Golden State? My answer to that was absolutely not. It's showing in this series. Not only is Golden State outshooting Dallas, they're also out-rebounding Dallas, okay? And you could say, okay, well, Dallas has been out-rebounded, you know, what, 13 of their last 17 games or something, something incredible like that, and Dallas is still beginning to done. But here's the issue. When you're dealing with Golden State where their offense is so lethal, you're giving them second chance opportunities. Now what's happening? They're hitting you with those dagger three-pointers. They're hitting you with the posterizing dunks like Andrew Wiggins has. You know, they're hitting you with the backdoor cut like Draymond Green hit Klay Thompson with, you know, early in the fourth for a late third quarter there. So it's just one of those things where Dallas is in a situation where it reminds me a lot of when Golden State last went back to the Western Conference Finals against, uh, I believe it was the Portland Trailblazers, and they just, they just, they just cut them up. And that's what's happening to to Dallas here. I mean, Dallas is, they're not really known as a, a, a really a huge defensive club. Um, interior play is not really their strong point there. You know, they don't really have a true five or a center. And they do rely a lot on the three ball. And tonight, they live by the three and they actually died by the three. And so even though, you know, they only lost this game by nine, um, it, you never really felt that Golden State was going to lose this game, especially after halftime, because, you know, I think they had them down by, uh, again, double figure points. But again, Golden State just methodically kind of chopped them up. Uh, you know, Steph Curry was hitting three pointers and looking over at the bench, you know, after he released them and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, Dallas is in trouble. You know, he came out super aggressive here and he's been able to get to any you know, 
part of the floor he wants to uh, with his handle. He's been able to shoot the three-pointer. The floater's working. Uh, he's finding guys who are cutting. And then how about, you know, the guys like Kavon Looney? How about Andrew Wiggins, who is having himself quite a series as well? And, you know, it, it's one of those things where I look at the box score here for the Mavericks and you say to yourself, okay, Luka scored the 40, okay? And this is one of the things I thought with Golden State what they might do. They're giving Luka his points. So he scored the 40, right? He was negative 19 in the box score. He had 11 rebounds, only three assists, which is key. But look at the others here. Dorian Smith, uh, Dorian Finley-Smith, only nine points. He was negative 12, two of five from the three-point line. You have Reggie Bullock, 0 of 10. Been huge for them, zero. Could, he could put up goose eggs. He couldn't buy a basket tonight. Jalen Brunson, he was on his game. He scored 20, but he was negative seven here in the box score. Seven of 12 from the field um, and did have, you know, a turnover here and really just struggled to really kind of consistently keep it going and play alongside of Luka Doncic. On the, on the other side of this thing, you had to whittle. You know, he was probably their bright spot here with the 26 points. But other than that, you didn't get anything from uh, Kleba. Uh, Bartons only gave you two, and they didn't really get anything else. And so Golden State did a terrific job in just really making Luka the primary guy, forcing him into tough shots, picking him up 94 feet, really getting physical with him, and taking away his others here. And that's really what Dallas has kind of lived on is the fact that not only is Luka cooking, but he's been able to get others involved. And Golden State has done a terrific job in really taking that away here. Um, you know, you look at Kavon Looney again, I, you know, I talked about him and what he was able to do. Yes, he only scored the nine points. But look at this, though. The 12 rebounds, four of those on the offensive board, but eight big rebounds on the defensive end. Anytime you're talking about the rebound advantage defensively, if you're out rebounding them there, that means you're taking away their second chance opportunities. You out rebound them on the offensive end. You increase your scoring chances by about, you know, uh, 30, 40 percent. I forget what the percentages are. So it just goes up that much more. And, you know, look, Golden State just they just have more firepower and that's just the bottom line so you know they're going into this next game here I believe they they play Wednesday um I like Golden State in this one you know I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas finds a way to get a win but you know I think the bottom line here is that Golden State is just uh they're the better team here they're the better team uh no disrespect to Dallas but you know this might be it for Dallas and um you know I expect for if Golden State doesn't get this one um, and they come back home 3-1 I think it's going to be tough for uh, Dallas to travel here and get a, a win out in the Bay Area so um, you know that's really that game and that series thus far and that is today's show we really just wanted to touch on the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals uh, we'll be back talking about the conclusion of those series here uh, next week I haven't forgot about the fact that we still want to talk about the NFL draft and I definitely want to talk a little bit about this fan-controlled uh, football league as well so you know still got that in the hopper guys but uh, 
you know, this is today's show, so I quickly want to go ahead and thank the fans out there who have actually chimed in on a week-to-week basis. I want to thank Anchor for being our platform out there, and I want to thank the sponsors out there for sponsoring our show. So, for myself, this is Rico, Real Talk Sports. We'll be back. Take care.